Should be. Oh, Miss Lee. All right. Well, it's Taz we're waiting on. You think after all these years I have the numbers memorized, but I'm guilty. I don't even memorize the area code. I should do that though. I'm waiting on Taz Taylor, I guess. Oh uh, yes, uh, big, big week in uh, racing news. Uh, we're coming up to the off day. Uh, all the series will be off for Father's Day. That means everybody gets a break. Um, all all major series, like uh, the truck series is off, the Xfinity series, and the Cup series. So, uh, ARCA, racing. ARCA is racing Saturday night, Saturday night at Berlin. Saturday night so at Berlin. Berlin. I have heard. I have heard that the flow racing coverage of ARCA is absolutely horrible is that is that the truth have you been following that it's not the best it it really isn't um the one thing i do like is that they've got uh charlie crawl announcing the races and he's been with arca like forever as long as i can remember um so that part is good but yeah as far as you know they're not consistent with their leaderboard um you know the 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 video coverage is good, um, but there's just it's just not 
as professional as it could be. I guess I'll, I'll put it that way. Interesting term. Uh, I can see where that could be possible. And uh, um, anytime you take a step back, I guess it's always going to be uh, noticeable. Who took the Yeah, we still don't see uh, Taz Taylor. Um, misleading catch. Uh, Martin Truex is dominant. Win this weekend. Uh, I mean, I really, I don't feel like that was the storyline. I really don't. Like, I, I've been very super critical of Sonoma Raceway uh, in the past and in, in the present day. And I mean, I really kind of felt that it was a pretty decent race. I know there were times where uh, the cars were strung out from each other. Uh, it was almost as a, if I was checking Twitter to see if those. The same naysayers that said we didn't need cautions and and uh, uh, stage breaks. Looking to see if some of those names looked recognizable when they started screaming, "Oh, we need stages! We need stages!" But, um, you know, I, I wasn't. I actually, late, of course. Well, I I actually enjoyed them not having the stage breaks. I thought I I thought that was one of the better things that they did this weekend. Um, personally, I did not think that the cup race was all that exciting. I think the truck and Xfinity races were much better, more quote-unquote entertaining, so to speak. Um, but uh, overall, I, you know, I'm, I like road races. I'm, you know, you know my local track is Mid-Ohio, where the trucks and uh, Xfinity used to race, and now the trucks come every year. Um, right. You know, so I'm I'm a big road race fan, but uh, yeah, I think overall, I I think the Cup Series was the least exciting of the three races this weekend. Right, and, and some of our you know quote unquote uh, ringers didn't really they they were never. Uh, in competition, I, I definitely felt kind of a lackluster performance by A.J. Allmendinger. Um, of course, Kyle Larson right. seemed to have things rolling for him. But when we were discussing last week the favorites and all, you were surprised at Martin Truex's three wins. I should have taken that as as a go-to for my pick, but I, right. I, I missed it by country mile. But somebody did actually pick Martin Truex Jr., didn't they? Um, I'm not 100 percent sure. I guess we, I guess we would have to hit Taz Taylor for that. Um, he's dealing with some family issues, and of course, you're dealing uh, with uh, uh, some terrible news. And um, of course, I, I, I think that next week we probably won't have a show, uh, considering that we're not uh, having any racing. So, um, it's just uh, it may just be me and you tonight, Miss Lee, and. We'll try to get through this. And uh, as we get ready for our second half of the season, um, it is hard to believe that we're at the cusp of the midseason here. Um, it definitely doesn't feel like we're midway through the season. Um, no, it doesn't. No, it really doesn't. It really doesn't. Normally at this point in time, which opens up the topic for first discussion, first of all, Eric Amarola, he won – I, was there a truck race? There was a truck race? I missed the truck race? Who won? 
um, crap, who won? Was it Endfinger? He was our no, no, I'm sorry, no, it wasn't. I'm sorry, it wasn't the trucks. It was Arca. Because there were a couple of Xfinity Xfinity drivers that went and ran the Arca race, and then there were eight Cup drivers that went and ran the Xfinity race. Right, 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 right. Eric Amarola being one of them, I think. at one point in time, Kyle Larson had a 17-second lead on the entire field in the Xfinity race. Um, wow. But Eric Amarola pulls it out uh, in the number 28, uh, which is really cool to see. And that was that was a good race and, and uh, good execution by Amarola and his team. So he kind of said something there in victory lane, and it kind of felt like a kind of felt like a retirement statement. He said that he wanted to. First of all, he did a road race, and he sucked really bad at it, and he was like, "That hurt my confidence." He said, "But for some reason, when this one come up, I felt confident. I've always run good, and I needed this to finish like a, I'm leaving on top or something to that." Uh, I don't think it was very well caught, but I did kind of have this feeling uh, that there Camarilla feeling a sense of relief that he was still able to win, even though the time is coming to an end. Um, and, of course, there's not been specific reports that he's retiring at the end of the season, uh, but those are the couple of announcements that I'm surprised we haven't already heard about, including Martin Truex Jr., including the Josh Berry deal, which was supposed to have been a done deal the week of Talladega. So um, there's there's still a lot of open questions. We'll get into that with Philly season and a whole lot more. Of course, Martin Truex Jr., the dominant win, potential free agent at the end of the year. But I think right now, Ms. Lee, and right now, um, as we smooth on into the transition here, um, the big three, like that's been the story, the subject for so long, like ever since the beginning of Race Chat Live, we've always had this segment where we've referred to these well, basically top contenders as the big three. You know, we've done power rankings and we see kind of where each organization sits. I kind of feel like midway through the season, we could possibly kind of single point three drivers that we feel are really the the lead pack of the field. But week in, week out, we go through this thing where it just seems like somebody else. It's just their turn. Like Martin Truex Jr., uh, against all naysayers, against all beliefs, this man's won three races this year, Miss Lee. Three races. Some people might um, take what I'm going to say the wrong way, but I think that Martin and Sherry breaking up has given him back some focus. Um, and, and I don't mean that in a 
bad way, but I think that Sherry's health issues and whatever else went on in their relationship were a distraction for him, and he doesn't have that distraction this year. So I think I think that plays a big part in where he's at right now and how he's performing. In, in any case, taking care of somebody who is sick or has had a really tough time, whether it be through drugs or just uh, untypical lifestyle or, you know, cancer sucks. And we know that. Um, I think that it takes a yes, toll. Yes, I had a I, I had a grandfather, and uh, he was limited to uh, a chair. And my my grandmother did everything she could to take the best of care of him. Of course, it took more than her. It took you know a community of uh, nurses and uh, at home visits. Uh, my grandmother definitely could not take care of him on her own. And when he passed right. away, it literally set a light off again in my grandmother and like she become more active again. She become more lively. She become and it wasn't that it wasn't that she didn't mourn the loss of my grandfather. It was the burden that was right at her feet was finally cleared. And I think in some form and instance with Martin Truvis Junior, what you said is is exactly right. He put some things in the closet. And he's been able to move on from that. And and, and we've seen a new girl down in Pitstop. So, um, you know, he's uh, maybe that was his sister. We don't know. Uh, there was a picture taken. It was uh, swarmed through the Internet. Nobody really confirmed who she was, which is very odd at this point in time and with the Internet. And most of the time, somebody figures out who they are. Maybe they did. I've never seen the update on it. Uh, but, but definitely uh, Martin Truex Jr. seems to have found – a resurgence. And the reason why I start with him is because technically he does have three wins this season. He has a win that was an exhibition race, and then he has uh, two more wins, including uh, this past weekend at Sonoma. There's another driver that I have circled on my calendar, and his name is William Byron. And William Byron has had the most inconsistent season but has found victory lane more times already than what he typically does in in, in his in any season. So he's having a, a career year but it kind of mirrors the year that Alex Bowman had a couple of years ago where one week he was great the next week he sucked. One week he was great the next weekend he sucked. Um, but the three wins is something to really zone in on um, because those three wins are, means that he's capable of showing up at a racetrack and being fast. You don't just get three wins midway through the season and not have a fast race car and not uh, be in contention for a good season. Now, I believe the third driver with three wins this season is Kyle Busch. And I am not sure any of us would have put Kyle Busch on the potential list of the big three at this point in the season 
when we first heard about the news. And I'm not saying that we should be completely, like, surprised. I'm not sure that we should be so thrown off our rocker, so to speak. But I do feel like that it was one that kind of squeaked in on us because my concern coming into the season was, especially with the first win coming, uh, I believe it was at California, Las Vegas, one or the other, it was very early in the season. I said, man, what if that's a little bit early peak, you know? What if he goes into a slump for the rest of the season and this kind of built the expectation and then it fizzles out and it becomes Richard Childress racing? Well, I have been completely wrong, and I love being completely wrong. Um, this is how storylines are created. So I'm looking at Kyle Busch. I'm looking at William Byron. I'm looking at Martin Truex Jr. Miss Lee, these guys don't fit into the big three. Like, there is inconsistencies amongst all three of these drivers. Martin Truex, not necessarily the best driver at said team. You've got Kyle Busch, who's working for a team that we don't think is competitive at all racetracks. And then we've got William Byron, who no doubt has the equipment, has never showed us before that he's been capable, even capable of being a top three driver. Of course, you don't think of William Byron as being uh, the driver at the best, you know, it, it, uh, the best in his own organization. Of course, that would be Kyle Larson, right? Some would argue it's Chase Elliott. We know better. <laughs> um, it's definitely <laughs> probably Kyle Larson. <laughs> Sorry, all you uh, – Chase Elliott fan. Um, but there's a couple other names on this list. And I think that that's where this this whole big three is a subject of an argument because I don't really feel like we can pinpoint the biggest, the, the three main characters going into it. Because, Miss Lee, what I'm trying to get out here is at the end of the year, there's going to be three drivers that we knew – we're going to be there. And then there's the extra one. Well, Miss Lee, my hands are thrown in the air because I cannot, for the life of me, figure out who the hell we're going to see in Phoenix at the end of the season. So please right. help me, God, figure out who the top three drivers are in NASCAR. The names well, on the and, list, you know, got to throw in. Christopher Bell, we've got to throw in Joey Logano, of course, Kyle Larson, Tyler Reddick, maybe. I mean, I don't know. Ross Chastain for arguments. Um, you know, Ryan Blaney. Um, wins don't necessarily mean the dominance, right? Is that is? Are we looking too much into the wins to try to find what's obvious, Ms. Lee? Well, you know, you talk about the inconsistency of William Byron. What about the inconsistency with Kyle Larson, though, too? Very true. Very you know, true. Very yeah, true. he's got the wins, but he's also got some ab- abysmal failures as well. You know, so yeah, you you know you can't you can't knock out Larson, Logano, Reddick, but you're right. Who else is going to turn around and surprise us? Um, you know, look at. Uh, Chris Busher, for example. That is the thank God you went there. Thank God you went there. Right. The probably the hottest driver in the cup garage right now. Chris Busher. Yeah. That blows people's fucking mind. <laughs> I love Chris, Chris Busher. Busher. He is such a sweetheart. <laughs> for sure. So I don't know about sweetheart, but a great guy. 
Love him. He he should be I the face of NASCAR, right? He's he's kind of like the Jonathan Davenport of of dirt car racing. He's not he he doesn't look the typical driver part. But then when you talk to him and you see his passion and you just the smile, he's a good old boy that loves race cars, man. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, so you know, so you you know, you definitely you can't count someone like him out. And like I said, he's been consistent, which many of these other drivers that we've talked about already have not been. Right. Right. Christopher Bell. I mean, let's look at that guy's stats for a minute. Okay. Um, Got him a race win already this season. Um, No stage win. Five playoff points. Right? So, I mean, not what you would typically consider a championship caliber driver, especially, you know, a serious contender for the top four. Um, It's just, it doesn't fit the grade. Um, Let's see if we can find another guy here. Uh, Of course, uh, somebody with seven stage wins, William Byron, right? And stage wins tell a lot about the story, right? What kind of season. So even in the inconsistencies of William Byron, stage wins feel like what? Who's his crew chief? Alan Gustafson? Is that right? Right. No, 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 no. He's got his uh, uh, Fugel, right? Uh, Rudy Fugel, right? It, it's his old crew chief. So, okay, all right. Most consistent wins, I mean, three wins, seven stage wins, 17 playoff points, but also with 17 playoff points is Kyle Busch. Now, who the hell would have expected that? Uh, 17 playoff points to Kyle Busch, 12 to Kyle Larson. So your top three guys in playoff points um, kind of mimic who I suggested the top three being, except for Kyle Larson with the exclusion. Um, Let's talk about Chastain. He made the playoffs last year. Top four. You know, so who's to say he can't five do it again? Wins. Five stage wins this year, five playoff points. Five right. stage wins. That is, that is, I believe, second most. Uh, second most behind William Byron. So, Ross Chastain. I, I, you know, I, I feel like we got a bunch of number fours. We got a bunch of number fours. But I cannot zone in on even who the number one driver is right now in the NASCAR Cup Series. As a matter of fact, if I had to tell you, Miss Lee, right now, who I feel is the number one driver in the NASCAR Cup Series garage, I think it'll blow your mind. I will whisper to you how freaking this well, you know what? I, I I can't necessarily disagree with you there. I think that we were all kind of holding our breath to see what was going to happen with this new team and everything. <laughs> and right. I think we've already seen that Pop Pop knows where, which which side uh, his bread's buttered on, right? 
Yes, ma'am, he does. I like the way you said that. So I, you know, and and I'm not quite sure if Austin has realized that yet, but maybe he has. But he can't be. You know, when you see the one, he's the one that recruited him. Right, right. And, and when when Richard and Austin sit down as family, I'm very sure that they're both gracious of the decision that they made because. CR. If, if RCR had just went the direction of putting Austin Hill in the car and having Austin Dillon, maybe somebody else, a third car or whatever, I just I just don't feel the spark at RCR. Like, the spark was Tyler Reddick, right? Like, we felt right. like, holy smoke, Tyler Reddick has brought something to RCR that we've not seen in a while. This is definitely... You couldn't understand why he was going to replace Hemrick, Daniel Hemrick, who had only been in the car one year with Tyler Reddick. And then two years into the Tyler Reddick, you realize really freaking quick, that's why you got rid of Hemrick. Okay, I got right. it. Then before you know it, Tyler's already gone. Like, already. Like, it's, it's a done deal. Tyler Reddick headed to Toyota in 2024, and there's nothing that you can do to stop it. Well, we all said on the show last year, never happened. Tyler Reddick will never race in 2023 with RCR. It just won't happen. We were blown out of the park when Richard Childress did the unthinkable and went and hired him a real-ass driver, Kyle Busch. And then we want to stand here with a thumb up our ass wondering, is it true that he is the best race car driver in NASCAR at this time and period. And it's really hard to argue that he is not. Isn't he coming off? He finished second at Sonoma, right? This guy just finished second at Sonoma. I mean. And he was actually rather gracious in in his post-race interview. I was surprised. The new Kyle Busch. He has every right to be more gracious in, in his career because I am not sure that even Kyle Busch thought that he this is a big this is a big risk for Kyle Busch. This is a big risk. I think it was a necessary risk because he really didn't have anywhere else to go, and that put his back against the wall. And that's when you have a race car driver who can start doubting himself. And doubting where he's going in his career. That's why we've seen these drivers do the leap of faith and go and become team owners because they want to control the outcome of their careers. They understand when they get to a certain point, they're no longer going to get the good equipment. They're no longer going to have active marketing teams seeking out the best interest for the driver because now it turns into the best interest for the team. Can you get a driver who can consistently put you into the top five and ten at a very low pay rate? Because the longer you've been in the Cup Series, the more expensive you become. So that is where the marketing team no longer works on your behalf because they need to find a cheaper, faster, better you. And that happens when you work for a team. When you go and you start your own team, you can control the marketing side. You can say, I am still marketable, but you have to put forth the results. I think that we're seeing that with RFK right now. We're seeing that with Brett Keselowski. Kyle Busch was not ready to go and start his own team. I think that there was possibly some talk with uh, maybe some potential team ownership with Colleague Racing. 
I do not have that to confirm, uh, but it wasn't something that was solidified. It wasn't something that was thick enough to move, uh, to make the, to make the move. So what he got from Childress was obviously not what he was expecting rolling into a contract year with Joe Gibbs, probably enough uh, to still make him feel that, hey, I, I'm making the right move here. But at the same time, this is a big risk for Kyle Busch. Not so risky right. now when we're looking at it, Ms. Lee. Not so risky right. now. This car right. is competable. But competable at... But don't discount the discussion that we had last week about the kids and potential deals for the current driver's kids who are going to be the next generation of drivers. Right. You know, so right. I, I, I'm sure that that might have factored into, into his decision. And I will say this, I am not a Kyle Busch fan. Never have been. But I have always respected him as a driver. And I've actually... Watching him mature has made me like him as a person a little bit more, too. Very true. We have watched Kyle Busch grow up. Uh, and NASCAR family yep. has been around since the 2000s. Um, so a kid you know, come into the racing spotlight and caused a lot of issues, whether it be wrecks, tempers, walking off. I mean, the guy literally fired himself from Hendrick Motorsports, right? Dale Jr. would have never known how fast that Hendrick horsepower was had Kyle Busch not disappeared off from his own team. Um, Kyle Busch had uh, a sense of, I, I don't know, arrogance, I guess, um, that rubbed people the wrong way. Um, I, I feel like Kyle Busch, acted out like he did because of interpersonal reasons and it was so interpersonal that he didn't give a damn what people thought about him on the outside. And I feel like that is the drive that you that, that you have when you know that you're capable of being more than what you the results you have given. I feel like that all the time, Miss Lee. Like I, I I beat myself up and I become angry in the inside. I become ill to people around me because I'm not performing at what I feel like is my best ability. And just imagine if that if your career is in front of a spotlight, driving a race car, and the first thing that they do when you screw up is put a microphone in front of your face. That, you know, and I'm right. not taking it for Kyle Busch and all of his years of, of bringing us a lot of entertainment. Uh, you could probably yeah. spend a whole day just watching bloopers of, of, of Kyle Busch, but hell, I do that sometimes yeah. with uh, with Tony Stewart. All you know, right? Any, anytime you need a good laugh, just go back to YouTube and and listen to Tony Stewart rant. I mean, that will cheer you up just as quick as Robin Williams uh, in New York. I, I promise you, um, it, Kyle will keep you keep you very well entertained, and that's been his business for all these years. And now we're seeing uh, the older, more mature Kyle, the Kyle who took a risk. Uh, the Kyle Bush, who is now um, truly the number one, 
right? Because the one thing I think Kyle Busch has always been competing for at Joe Gibbs Racing was who really is number one. Of course, when Tony Stewart was there, Kyle Busch wasn't number one. Uh, Denny Hamlin had been with Joe Gibbs longer than Kyle Busch. I think some people forget that. Like, Denny Hamlin was already there. So, at what point in time did Kyle Busch overshadow Denny Hamlin? Did he ever really overshadow Denny Hamlin in his own organization? I'm not sure. Um, does Denny Hamlin kind of feel the captain of that organization now? Not, probably not really. No. I, I would say that he's probably still a number two somehow. But I'm sure right. that somewhere in Kyle Busch's mind, that was a battle, right? Because Denny Hamlin was here before me. And, uh, uh, of course, you know, Matt Kenseth came along and several other drivers have come along. Uh, Joey Logano, uh, another driver that come along after uh, Kyle Busch was there at Joe Gibbs. Um, and Logano, Logano, was always, Logano was always the redheaded stepchild at, at uh, Joe Gibbs, too. Right. Not the best organization, right, for a young man trying to come in with two, with two peacocks at the head of the steer. Um, and what I mean by peacocks is they like to stare at themselves in the mirror. Um, and that's Denny Hamlin right. with Kyle Busch. So now Kyle Busch specifically has an organization where he can be number one. And I believe that confidence of being that he knows Richard Childress Racing is his stable. Like, because Austin Dillon's not putting forth these performances. I know very decent performances by Austin Dillon. If I may add, I mean, he just. Definitely not Kyle Busch performance, but for Austin Dillon, I mean, it's it had a pretty consistent year. Um, but now he can focus on driving a race car, making it fast every weekend, and uh, giving Richard Childress uh, something to work off of. And I'm sure the money's rolling in for ORCR right about now as well, as Kyle Busch is heating up to be the hottest driver rolling into the second half of the season. I do want to keep this rolling, though. Because we have we not seen Denny Hamlin peak yet. Where's Chase Elliott in all this? Chase Elliott, he's made the final four for, I think, consistently, right, for the last three or four seasons. Am I correct? Chase Elliott, of course, right. battling injuries and a suspension. Uh, can he find his way into uh, the playoffs with a win? He doesn't have the battle points to kind of help him out, to keep him at that top level. So Chase Elliott would literally have to – um, go in and win multiple races in a row uh, to make him in anywhere comparison to what these other guys are doing uh, with the stage wins and whatnot. Um, do we count Kyle Larson out? Because Kyle Larson has been probably the fastest guy at the racetrack week in, week out. But, some, you know, there's been wrecks. There's been uh, inconsistencies. There's, uh, you know, Kyle Larson on, you know, looks fast every weekend. Something generally comes up just as it did in the Xfinity series uh, that keeps Kyle Larson uh, out of victory. Uh, Miss Lee, is it the battle of the cows? Is it cow versus cow? That's a, that is a uh, that is a rival I feel like has never quite exploded just as the Dale versus Dale. That is, sounded great, and it was a really cool Daytona 500. But the Dale versus Dale never really 
had much more meaning outside of the Daytona 500. Are we going right. to see a Kyle versus a Kyle? Is there a possible potential for maybe a Kyle versus a Kyle uh, in the playoffs? Uh, at what point in time do these two guys cross paths as maybe the best race car driver in NASCAR at this point in time? Well, I think I, I think that Larson's team needs to work on this inconsistency that he's been dealing with. Yes, he's fast. He's fast every weekend. But, you know, whether it's wrecks or equipment issues, there's that inconsistency there. And until they can work past that, I don't know that we can have a Kyle versus Kyle. Because Bush has been much more consistent than than Larson has. Very good point. And sometimes that's just the way it is. You can be the fastest eye of the holler every weekend and still find trouble that gets you uh, out of victory lane. And that, that seems to be the issue with Larson right now. That seems to be uh, the, uh, the ugly head that's sticking out at, at Hendrick Motorsports inconsistency, even though at some point in time you can see all 400 Chevys running right there together, by the end of the race, something's done happened. And uh, I think that a lot of that means that we have cautions again in NASCAR. And I, that's, you know, my gosh, for like five years, uh, I carry the, the, the hashtag yellow caution flag. And it just seemed like, you know, from 2015 through 2020, that was almost a curse because there was hardly any cautions anymore. And the only time that you would get a caution is if, you know, um, uh, 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 BK23 Racing uh, got into uh, an oil slick or something in their own oil slick and bashed the wall in, or, or Rick Ware Racing or something. That's not been the case since this new car has been, has been brought to the playing field. We've seen the consistency of a lot more caution uh, throughout the race period. Um, which is, you know, that's that's the side of the entertainment that I believe all of us kind of miss in the in the uh, after years of the the 2000 era, where there was a lot of great racing, a lot of consistency amongst the cautions and and just you know um, just a level playing field. You know, a guy who possibly be 16th in points, 18th in points, still had a chance to go out and maybe win a couple of races in the year. We didn't see that at the end of the generation, last generation car. Uh, it was pretty dominant between, you know, three teams, basically. But then this new car has definitely brought um, a lot more give and take. It's created a lot more uh, action on the racetrack. We've seen a lot more caution because these cars don't handle as great as what the old cars handled. Uh, and with that, you have guys who are going to have, you know, so, so years. I remember uh, Davey Allison in 92, he would go out and win a race and then wreck the next race, right? I mean, that's it's been well documented by Larry Mack, uh, just the type of season that sometimes a race car driver can have, and this year feels like that year. So you feel like at the beginning of the season or midway through the season now that Hendrick Motorsports has kind of been the dominant factor. You haven't heard much about Penske. Joe Gibbs seems to be on and off the rock. But in reality, none of these teams have separated themselves too far from each other, which gives the big three impression that 
at this point in time, you know, I feel like it's Kyle Busch. I feel like it's William Byron. And the, the third guy, I'm not really sure. You know, maybe Kyle Larson. Maybe you give it to Kyle Larson. Uh, maybe you give it to uh, Martin Truick. Um, you know, Martin's uh, always been a solid driver down at the end of the end of the race season. He really knows how to click it together at that point in time. Some of those racetracks, Martinsville and all, are really tracks that Martin does really well at. So, um, you know, we'll have to we'll have to keep that one uh, in our sights and see exactly. And um, and do you know do you, do do you notice who is significantly missing from this discussion? Stuart Haas Racing. Of course. Yeah. And, no, that's so, something that, you know, you look at the caliber of drivers, Ryan Fries, Eric Amarola, and Chase Briscoe, none of those drivers really stand out amongst. Of course, it's Kevin Harvey's retirement year. Um, it just shows how far SHR is off the grid. Um, you know, really, there's, they're, they're a second-tier team at, at this point. When, when Taz Taylor presented to us that the hottest Ford team in the uh, Cup Series right now was RFK. I think that kind of changed all of our perceptions. And as you look at the driver's point standing, there's in the 11th place, I believe, Brad Keselowski, and in the 10th and in the 12th spot, it's Chris Busher. So, without a doubt, um, RFK seems to be that number one Ford team right now going into the second half of the season. Kudos to Brad Keselowski's two-car team. I mean, look, man, uh, Kyle Busch's success, Brad Keselowski's success, these these two guys bet on themselves, and they're proving um, that it was a good bet. And they, they they truly believe that they could become successful uh, in, other, in other parts um, uh, with other teams in, in racing, including – uh, Fred Keselowski's uh, dib into ownership. So this will kind of roll us right into the second topic uh, of the night. Uh, Truex and his future the silly season, kind of a big question mark. Miss Lee, I think after this argument for 30 minutes, there's no way that we can believe Truex, Truex Martin Truex Jr. is going to step out of a race car at the end of the year and hang up the helmet. Does that even seem fathomable? point in time this week? No, I don't think so with his renewed focus. I don't think he's ready to give it up yet. And I'm with you. I don't, I don't, I don't, I mean, I would be shocked. Right. I mean, maybe one win and okay, you know, I still got a great, nice farewell win. Three wins, two of them, of course, the points, one of them not. But still three wins on the season versus no wins the year before. I don't think the back pro shops is uh, Johnny Morris is going to pull the plug on Truex right now. I I do feel like maybe Joe Gibbs could go another direction. Uh, That can always be a possibility, right? Uh, Joe Gibbs has proved to us time and time again that uh, he'll go he'll go bet on um, a cheaper, younger, uh, less expensive youth. Uh, is Mark right. Jones Jr. But, but, replaceable at Joe Gibbs Racing? Yes. 
he is replaceable because of his contract. And that seems to yeah, be the driving force I of the Cup Series right now. I don't I don't see Bass Pro Shops going anywhere else besides Martin either. Well, no, I don't either. I think that that would stay that kind of as a combo between uh, uh, Martin Truex and Johnny Morris. I wouldn't see it any other way as not being a combo. Uh, they're, they're, those guys have been affiliated with each other for a very long time. But we forget that Johnny Morris also has ties to Tony Stewart. And if Martin Truex Jr. went anywhere, Stuart Haas Racing needs a guy. They need a guy. They need now, a guy. A thought. Like, like RFK needed Brad. They need a guy. They need a guy who can keep this organization moving in the right direction. It's hard to think right now that they're – hard to say that they're not in the right direction, but mentally results so they're not in the right they're not in the right path. Um, do they go bet the farm? Of course, you know, if they're replacing Harvest with berries, we haven't got that confirmation yet. It's still kinda of up in the air if ands if if what. But here's to it. Silly season. Johnny Morris, connections with Stuart House Racing already. Martin Church Junior. We know Joe Gibbs. Hey, could Martin Truex already be setting this up to move? Especially if he feels like Joe Gibbs could possibly cut his career uh, before. If Joe Gibbs is offering a one-year extension and maybe Stuart Haas Racing is offering two to three years down the road, I feel like the move away from Sherry Pollock was was a commitment to NASCAR that, hey, I'm not going home anytime soon, right? If I was going home, I went home and took care of, of Sherry. But instead, I want to race, right. and that's probably the decision-maker in that relationship. So now I'm looking for a two- or three-year deal that's going to keep me around. If Joe Gibbs doesn't want to offer that, now's my chance to move to Stuart Haas Racing. How do you feel about Martin Truex Jr. going over and kind of padding uh, the Papa Daycare type situation that, 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 that kind of needs – they need a veteran at Stuart Haas Racing. Absolutely. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, Kevin's leaving. Eric's possibly leaving. So, yeah, they do need an old man on the team. Somebody that's going to yeah, help give guys to the younger drivers. Right. I can see the 10 car. See him in the 10 car for sure. With the old uh, Bass Pro Shots on the top. I can see that. Some other silly season notes, of course, Michael McDowell. Holy heck, man. What is going on over here at Front Row Motorsports? I mean, we could add him into the midseason surprises and disappointments for sure. But, um, you know, Zane Smith, we keep hearing rumors, Zane Smith, Zane Smith. We know Todd Gillian is over at Front Row Motorsports. Uh, Zane Smith may have ties into Stuart Haas. We're not sure about that. Uh, We do know that Ford is directly behind Zane Smith, so Ford can kind of dictate where Zane goes and what what ride kind of opens up. Um, Nobody's, you know, nobody's, 
nobody's saying that there's a ride open at Penske. That's also for Harrison Burton. I think Zane Smith could be a good plug in to the 21 team. Um, I'm not sure if Harrison Burton is uh, going to continue behind the wheel of that car uh, based off his performances in the last two years. I just don't really see the it factor. Never did really with Harrison Burton. Um, so how far how far along does Penske carry, you know, a driver that, you know, it's time to pass the torch there. I can see Zane Smith uh, being over at Wood Brothers. What do you think about that, Miss Lee? I think it's a distinct possibility. Like you said, Harrison Burton hasn't done a whole lot of nothing, so you know, what's what's to keep him with that team? You know, maybe maybe he goes back down to Xfinity or something. I don't know, but you know, he's definitely not made a big impression in in the cup series. Another driver that uh, seems to be a big question mark. Great plate racer, super speedway racer, Austin Hill. You know, does somebody go out and get a third charter? Um, you know, do, do you, uh, does Richie Childress let, let Austin Hill go to an or, another organization? Um, that's a big question mark. John Hunter Nemechek, another driver who could possibly – uh, be a replacement driver for Martin Truitz. Yeah, but John, I, but John Hunter already had a chance at Cup, and he didn't didn't do so hot. You know, I mean, yeah, he's he's doing well now, and he did well in trucks, but I don't, I, I'm not so sure about him. Hey, neither am I, but. And I don't think John Hunter can plug into the 19 and be uh, have the same performance uh, that Martin Truex Jr. is having. But any of the rookie candidates, the guy with the most experience, is John Hunter Nemechek. And so if Joe Gibbs were to make that move um, uh, and, and depart from Truex, I believe John Hunter Nemechek would be that guy. Uh, based off of past, you know, you're not going to have to invest much into him. Um, you're the fourth car, so you're going to get leftover parts anyway. Um, you know, if he's able to perform, then that's great. If not, two years from now, you can move on uh, from him and maybe play against Sammy Smith or whatever. Maybe bring Tyler Reddick over to your organization, depending on how that works out at 2311. Um but I, one thing that I'm kind of nervous about Joe Gibbs, and I've never been much of a fan of his organization, so I don't really care, but, you know, Roush's downfall was all of his drivers basically upping and leaving at one time. Greg Biffle, Matt Kansas, Carl Edwards, you know, Roush Fenway Racing really crumbled really fast. And um, when you lose, when you let these big-name drivers leave and you lose the credibility um, as an organization of veterans and leadership and uh, fortitude, I feel like the sponsors, that's the first thing they notice. Like, the organization sending out, and they don't want to put as much money towards it. 
Um, so Joe Gibbs, he has a lot on his plate right now. A lot of things going on at Joe Gibbs Racing, of course, that we already know about. Um, and it's very critical at this point in time to have your investors seeing you moving in the right direction. We've heard maybe leaving the sport soon. Uh, Denny Hamlin maybe leaving the organization soon. Um, a lot of question marks uh, within the Joe Gibbs camp. Um, and this could be a big, a, a big silly season uh, for the Joe Gibbs camp, especially if they're not able to zone in on some future talent. This is an organization, CRD program, that has had unimaginable amount of talent roll through it. And it's hard to believe that we're at a point now to where we're saying, okay, who do we plug into here, right? If we were to lose Denny Hamlin and Martin Truex in the same year, who would go into those cars? For the first time in TRD uh, <laughs> existence, or at least in the last 10 years, we don't know who would go in those cars. We don't even have an idea. Sammy Smith, he's not ready. John Hunter, he's something given the chance. But, yeah, we've watched guys like, you know, Noah Gregson, Christopher Bell, Eric Jones, uh, Harrison Burton, the list goes on and on of drivers that have come through uh, the TRD organization. Any any other big thoughts that you have maybe on this silly season and where drivers can go? I would love to see Michael McDowell wind up in the 19 car at Joe Gibbs Racing. Like, that would be the coolest thing in the whole world to see a guy like Michael McDowell who has put in his work over the years get a great ride. So Miss Lee, do you see that happening? Is there is is that a possibility? What if Michael you know McDowell what? went to Stuart Haas racing? Would that be would that be at what point in time can we elevate the Daytona five hundred champion Michael McDowell? Or is he elevatable? think Michael McDowell definitely is an elevatable driver, but I want to backtrack just a little bit um, to the whole JGR thing. I think that coaches' focus has totally been on fast-tracking Ty up to Cup, and I don't know that he has thought about the kind of questions that you have raised. I think his focus has all been on Ty and not what does he do when he loses his two big names. Because we all know Denny is either going to retire as a driver or go drive for his own team. And like you said, Truex is in a contract year. So, and I'm just not sure that the Gibbs organization has looked beyond doing what they had to do to get Ty up there. And that has left a void in the organization. And it makes the future... Uh, uncertain because I'm just not sure if Corey Hine or some uh, some of these other younger drivers are you know if that's going to really sell your sponsorship and keep you a viable team uh, in the Cup Series. Remember, 
all this other talent is already starting to season, right? All this other when when Hendrick went to the to the Papa Playground uh, a few years ago, we were all like, whoa. Didn't we kind of see the full shebang of all the organizations going younger? Well, now Joe Gibbs, they're like the only old team left, right? And so he's going to go through that transition, similar to what Hendry did a few years ago, where none of his drivers were capable or ready uh, to win on a consistent basis. I think this Travell is probably there. Um, but, you know, Ty Gibbs, having him carry an organization right now, I'm just not sure. Uh, and that leaves two other two other valuable seats uh, that could be open in the next couple of years. So, but uh, Michael McDowell, I really – I would love to see him get an opportunity. I, I feel like of all the – he is the Martin Truex Jr. of now. He's, he's bounced around. He's had a so-so career. Uh, give him a chance in a top flight equipment just to see, man, if this guy can't just come out and race in my brows. If we were putting that 19 car and Joe Gibbs decided to go another direction, um, if I was, I, I would take way less money uh, just for the opportunity. I would take John Hunter Nemechek money just being given the opportunity to go back home for Michael McDowell. Um, I believe this guy was actually scouted by Joe Gibbs originally uh, before being pushed over to Michael Waltrip Racing. Of course, that was well before all the Toyota conspiracies and all that other as well. I believe it was before Joe Gibbs even moved over to um, um, Toyota. But uh, if I'm not mistaken, Michael McDowell was one of the very first uh, Toyota racing development. No, not Toyota. Uh, Joe Gibbs racing development drivers. Um, but uh, definitely got it been around for a long time. Any other? Things to add on silly season, Miss Lee Austin Hill, big question mark. Um, I don't know. I, I I think being that it's just midway point, silly season speculation mm-hmm. right now is just that speculation. Um, you know, as we get later in the season and we start to see how how the chips are going to fall we can make more um, reasoned opinions. Yeah, reasoned opinions, I guess. All right, well, um, I think through a lot of that, we went through mid-season surprises and disappointments. Um, one of my key surprises uh, that I would put on this list is, is Michael McDowell. Like, you know, the guy is just, man, week in, week out, uh, going out and uh, performing. Ty Gibbs, uh, another surprise. Um, I don't think I gave Ty enough credit hanging, uh, heading into this year. Um, he's been a lot more consistent, taking care of a lot more. You know, normally you see a lot of wrecks with rookies. Ty Gibbs has kind of kept his nose clean for the most part of this yeah, season. Yeah, he um, The biggest, probably one of the bigger disappointments, Noah Gregson. I knew that taking a risk going to this team uh, was, was going to be a huge risk for Noah. Um, I've watched Noah over the years. I know that he has uh, some personality issues. Uh, I think that a lot of us have that. Um, a lot of us have some self-doubt and some um, self-esteem issues. I've said I feel that a lot with Noah. I have through most of his career. It kind of made me not like him at first. 
Uh, but then as he found his groove at uh, Junior Motorsports um, and become a lot more relatable, I feel like uh, maybe the incident with his dad kind of made him have to say, okay, I'm either going to face the, the public or I'm going to go run and hide. And so he chose to face the public and become kind of this cool little character. Um, but just seeing what that team's having to go through this year, you know, Todd Dillon, I think, struggled really bad in this car last year. Ty Dillon sucked. Of course, I don't believe Noah Gregson sucks one bit, but that car sucks. And so it's been a big disappointment. Uh, really, with that organization in a whole, uh, compared to what Eric Jones was able to do last year versus what that team's doing this year, being that Jimmy Johnson was coming into ownership, you know, I thought he was going to write the ship. I was telling y'all all about how Hendricks did Jimmy dirty, and there was going to be no uh, alliance between Hendrick Engines and Eric Johnson. It's all good because he was still going to get the best. Well, I would have never thought that he was going to go to Toyota. Okay. I think I was right on the conspiracy. I had no idea the son of a bitch was going to go to Toyota. So where that leads this organization, I think that can set him kind of – I'm okay with the disappointment because I see things moving in the right direction. I think that this was the case last year with RFK, right? Like, I was disappointed. But at the same time, you could see certain pieces being moved in the right direction. I think Jimmy Johnson and Legacy Motors, Motor Club is a little bit further behind uh, than what RFK was uh, rolling into this. But, uh, look, man, they just signed a deal with Toyota. Everything's going to change. There's going to be more money coming in, uh, more um, um, uh, manufacturing support coming in. Uh, so I, I think better days are to come. Uh, for Legacy Motor Club, it's just been kind of disappointing uh, seeing them take such a far step back. Um, Ms. Lee, do you have a couple of maybe uh, surprises and then a couple of maybe disappointments you want to share? Um, you know, I I don't know. I'm I, I'm still I'm still watching. You know these these newer smaller teams. Um, you know the legacy motorsports team. I I thought was going to be in a better position as well. Um, but now you know since they made the announcement that they're uh, changing manufacturers, they're certainly not going to get get the manufacturer support that they are used to. I mean that's obvious. Right. But, but they're uh, already starting. They are able to sit with TRD. So they are able to plan for the future. So even though this is a sitting duck here, uh, they are already working on the future. They're already a part of the Toyota uh, meetings. They're getting, they're getting notes. Uh, they are getting their team prepared for the transition to next year. All of that is positive activity. All of that right. is making sure that, that, that legacy is moving in the right direction. You've got a name of legacy. You can't come in and stink up the show. Right. Yeah, so that's, you know, that that's going to prove to be interesting for next year, for sure. Any other big surprises? As we are into the mid-season now, 
Um, no, Maybe not really. Well car? Maybe how well the car has actually worked this year? Well, I, so I think... the car I, yet? I, I think that that is something that, that, that definitely plays into all stories for all teams. You know, now this is our second year with this car. Um, you know, the drivers are more comfortable. The teams are still obviously trying to push the limits um, as based on the, the uh, penalties we've seen. But they're kind of figuring out just how far they can push things. Um, I'm not sure I like this car. I think that it has, while it has even the playing field, I don't think it allows the creativity of the teams to shine as much. And maybe that's what they were going for. But, you know, I I guess it's, you know, it's not 1950 where we're racing, uh, you know, cars that are available to the public with some modifications anymore. You know, the safety innovations that, that have come across through the years are wonderful. But basically making everyone race the exact same car, I think, has, again, taken away the creativity of the teams and the ability to of them to be able to find ways to, okay, cheat, but make their cars different from the others. Yep. Outside of the nose. I mean, that, that's, I feel like the nose is the only piece of this entire product that, that has uh, some, the, the feature from their actual car. But even though I, I say that, I feel 100% that this whole car is nothing but a Chevy Camaro uh, with different decals and a, and a different nose on the front of it. And I've seen that firsthand at Talladega when they had the Camaro ZL1, they had a Toyota uh, NASCAR, and they had a uh, Chevrolet NASCAR um, on display. And, and, like, all three cars looked completely identical. Uh, it, it quickly leads us over into one of these final topics as we're getting ready to speed through um, this last final segment here tonight. We want to thank you guys uh, for listening to the show. We're a little short-handed tonight, but that's okay. Uh, man, this lady know how to grab the reins and take care of business, and that's exactly what we've done. Uh, the Garage 56 car, there was a whole lot of discussions, a whole lot of call going into Le Mans. Most of us don't even care uh, about the Le Mans. Um, I'm a sports car fanatic only for the Rolex 24 hours. I do understand that it's been 100 years of Le Mans, uh, so I appreciate the longevity. 
Um, but it's just really not my style of racing, right? I'm just not really much of a sports car uh, and run course race fan. Uh, but I did see all the attention garnered by this Garage 56 car. Miss Lee, as an outsider to the sport from, from that side of things, what did you feel about the Garage 56 car, and where does it stand with you? I did not catch the race. I did catch that the Garage 56 car pit crew won the pit crew awards, which was really cool. And the fact that the car finished the race, and they came in like middle of the pack, I believe. Um, okay. <clears throat> they had some issues with the um, I, you know, I, I thought it was an interesting endeavor and I liked that they tried it and maybe this gets stock cars more attention across different crowds and there's nothing uh, wrong with that. Right. One one of the big terms that I heard uh, all weekend long from all different sides of the racing sports world was there's a NASCAR on the track. Um, Guys, we don't call our cars NASCARs. Right. Um, (laughs) I think it's a Camaro, but, you know, I don't know. But uh, it's misconception NASCARs are not NASCARs. NASCAR is the NASCAR organization, and they race race cars. But somehow or another, through, I guess, the uh, buried, uh, language barrier or something to that, through most of the weekend, it was referenced to as a NASCAR. So there is a NASCAR out on the racetrack, a NASCAR. So I think it would be a NASCAR car is what it should have been, but they didn't actually add in the double car there, so... Um, whoops, that, um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it was really a NASCAR car. Maybe that is. Maybe that is the official NASCAR, right? Maybe that is what that is because that's definitely not the car that we see uh, out on the racetrack on Sundays uh, at the NASCAR sanctioned racetrack. Um, so maybe maybe that's our first NASCAR. So um, it's good to see that uh, you you as well heard a lot of the feedback, a lot of the news. Um, and a lot of people, I got a, this car got a lot of exposure. It got a lot of exposure, a lot of people within the, the uh, motorsports realm that doesn't necessarily respect NASCAR. Now, they love our numbers. They wish they had our numbers. They wish they had our viewership. They wish they had our fan loyalship. But yet NASCAR always seems to be the butt of everybody's joke in the racing world, including by dirt track drivers. I mean, you know, I don't know. One makes $25 million. The other made a big deal and gives me rates and won a million dollars. I mean, they race for a million dollars every year, right? I'm not saying dirt track. Hey, I love dirt track racers. Don't get me wrong. But you can't sit there and think that you're at the top of the world when your driver doesn't make $25 million a year. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's limited to its capabilities, right? Um, NASCAR can come into a town and sell 50, 60, 80,000 tickets 
Um, I, I haven't seen that at a dirt race. I'm sorry, guys. Um, I just, you know, look, let's give credit where credit's due. I know y'all, everybody loves picking the can. Everybody loves talking shit about NASCAR. But in reality, there was a whole lot of talk this weekend, and that's because NASCAR really is on everybody's minds, right? And they may be the butt of the joke to most of them, but they're still in their mind, and it proved that this weekend, this week. Well, you got to keep in mind, most dirt tracks don't have the fan capacity that NASCAR tracks do. So you got to keep that in mind, you know, proportion. Um, you know, I mean, I I was at Eldora for not first, the second truck race. And that place was packed, absolutely packed. You know, so there's, okay, you know, so go we to just your had dream. Track. It wasn't packed. It wasn't packed for the dream, right? We've seen a bigger fan count for a truck race at Eldora than their staple freaking race of the year, right? Like, there was empty right. grandstands for the dream. So, I mean, yeah, hey, you can kick the can all you want to on NASCAR. The fact of it is, any given Sunday, they sell more tickets than than, than an NFL stadium, you know? So, right. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, but, uh, you know, F1 is so this dominant racing series, world racing cars, uh, world, uh, world rally cars, the WRC, whatever the hell that stands for. Um, they're, you know, they're, they want to, uh, look, uh, uh, it's a NASCAR driver. Uh, even the motorcycle drivers are like, you know, whatever. Hey, NASCAR, if, if, if it's in your mind, we already got you sold. All right, let's move on. Chris Busher, big time, big finish. Um, Taz Taylor, kudos to you, my friend, for pointing out Chris Busher's silent but lethal stats uh, rolling into road courses. I would have never circled Chris Busher as a top road course racer. Another a fourth place finish, I, I believe, between him and Kozlowski this year. They have a combined total of like nine top five finishes, uh, which is surpassing any total in the last 10 years, I think, uh, within this organization. RFK. Once again, on our radar, I know that we've talked about RFK every week for five weeks, at least for five weeks. Every show we've had, we've talked about RFK racing. There is a reason for that. I am not just a fanboy. The statistics are showing you every week while we continue to talk about Roush, Fenway, Keselowski racing. Chris Busher, fourth place finish. Sitting high, mighty 12th in points right now. Knocking on the door. Knocking on the door for a win. This team is consistent. There's a lot to talk about. A whole lot of good things going on over at Roush Fenway. His last racing. Miss Lee, do you have anything to add to that? Yes, I will add that. Nobody had Chris Busher on their radar. But I watched Chris Busher win and it race at Mid-Ohio, which is the road course. So, yes, he was on my radar. That's that's the valuable uh, content that you get right here at Race Chat Live because I knew Kyle Larson was going to wind up at Hendrick Motorsports before he did. I didn't know how he was going to get there, and we all argued about how he was going to get there, and we were all wrong about how he got there. 
But I had some people saying that it would never happen, and it did happen. And Miss Lee, she she knew Chris Busher was a good road, road course racer. I was sitting here last weekend like, oh, y'all, y'all are just pulling my leg, right? This is just stats making them look like that. And then here we are, fourth place finish at Sonoma. You better have Chris Busher rolling into your next road course race. That's all the advice I'm going to give you right now and here today. But, yes, RFK is moving in the right direction. Uh, both of these drivers seem to be knocking at the door. Um, talk of uh, moving uh, or bringing in another charter. I think all that should be um, hushed for now. Let's get these two cars rolling. Let's get you guys in into uh, victory lane a couple of times. Then we can talk about a third car or even possibly Greg Kozlowski retiring in the next couple of years. Uh, but right now, I just want to talk about performance and performance-wise, RFK Racing, top of the charts. Keep your eye on them, especially come the next road course racing. We're coming into Nashville, a concrete place. I know Brett Keselowski's always uh, been really fast at concrete racetracks. He's going to be one to watch. Uh, he would definitely, I would put him in my contender category uh, if Taz Taylor was going to do those picks tonight. Um, last and not least on the agenda tonight, let's talk about the schedule planning. Yet to put out a schedule. And let me tell you something about what I know. First of all, there has already been a few races where you would generally get next year's uh, renewal, and um, there has not been certain renewals sent out, one of them being the Bristol Dirt Race. Now, it is being rumored that Bristol may be replaced on the schedule with North Wilkesboro. If that is the case, I find that to be blasphemy. We do not need to take out short tracks for other short tracks. Okay, that's not the way to handle this, okay? Take out a freaking road course. Take your Coda and shove it up your uh, whatever. Um, take the Roval, shove it up the can, okay? We don't need it. Take Texas completely off the schedule. I, that's great. doesn't bother me. But do not, by any means, take out a short track racetrack and replace it with another short track racetrack. We need as many short track races as we can get. Miss Lee, what are your thoughts on the updated schedule? They say it could be August, maybe September, but definitely by this time, any other year, we would have had next year's schedule. Should we be expecting major changes? Well, it appears that way. I did see a headline. I did not read any any of the stories. Um you know, if anything, in my opinion, we should trade some of the mile and a halfers for more short tracks or even, and I know everybody hates this, but even more road courses. The mile and a halfers, the cookie cutter tracks are are the ones that, in my opinion, at least with and especially with this car, don't have as much appeal to me. And I was heartbroken when they took away Kentucky. 
because I had such a good time when we were there for the spring and fall races. But I think we need more variety rather than an emphasis on the mile and a halfers. Well, I mean, I, I know Atlanta, not Atlanta. I know California is a big question mark. I know the Coliseum race is a big question mark. And I, you know, I want to bring the class back. I want to bring the class back to Daytona. I want to have the class being, you know, the typical uh, pre-Daytona race, not on a road course, on the big track. I want that to come back. I, I want to see. I want to see the California race. I want to see it the all-star race. I want, to, I want that to be our all-star race. And whether or not that's racing that race at the very beginning of the year or a typical time in May, I'm not sure how West Coast run in May would do, but, you know, we used to race Sonoma in May, so maybe that could be something. I know Sonoma's kind of been the drop track for Fox, um, so I'm not sure how that would work. Uh, but I also have heard that the Brickyard's coming back. And so that takes away uh, the Indy road course race. And that's great. Like, this, you just eliminated uh, two road course races that I didn't want too fond of in, in the first place. All right. And if you bring the uh, all-star race, if you make the Coliseum race the all-star race, uh, that opens the door for North Wilkesboro to be plugged into the schedule. Now, here's the, the mess up. Basically, you know, NASCAR would have to lease out that California date to uh, Bruton Smith or, or Marcus Smith and uh, SCI Racing. Um, what is it? Shit. Speedway, Speedway Racing Incorporated, whatever it is. Yeah, SMI. Yeah, yeah Speedway Motorsports Incorporated. So if they leased out that that spot, that, that date on the calendar, then I could see North Wilkesboro being plugged right into the schedule without a hit. Whether or not NASCAR is willing to do that, whether they want to take that track or take that date and give it to another racetrack, you know, possibly the Coliseum race, I'm not really sure. I don't know how that's going to go. I do know that the new TV network contract is going to have a big, you know, uh, uh, effect on how and where these races are raced and when they're raced. How much of an effect, I'm still unsure. What, Who gets where and what gets replaced? Because I don't feel like next year would be the all-star race at North Wilkesboro if they plug that in and make it a uh, a, a point-paying race. But I heard, you know, oh, well, we need to turn the expedition race into uh, an exhibition race into uh, a cup race. But but Taz and, of course, you argued that there's no pit stops, right? So it would be really hard to turn that into a point-paying race. Um, so, you know, here we are. A new schedule is being made, new plans for next season. I'm not sure I have a true wish list. Uh, I do want to see a couple of these road courses replaced. And if we want to see some of the mile and a half uh, redone. Or, you know, it's sad. Kentucky Speedway. That, you know w- – we focus so much on the heart of America, and you know, you've got the Gateway, you've got the Chicago race, you've got uh, 
the uh, the Mid Ohio racetrack. You got the racetrack up in Wisconsin. You got Michigan, but but Kentucky was kind of like still a southern state race, right? Kentucky was Kentucky Kansas is, is over there as well, but Kentucky was still kind of like a, a more of a mid eastern, not a midwestern, a mid eastern type race, and you see the kind of the big circle that you draw when when you when you zoom into uh, zone, zone into Kentucky Speedway, you see like. That's a that's a big geographical area there, and Miss Lee, really, a lot of people don't really consider how close you were, and people of Ohio were to the Kentucky Speedway, right? I mean, that was that was y'all's go-to racetrack. You know, we we sat down and we plotted out that year what races were within a so many hour radius. And Kentucky was, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, I don't I don't think they were re- no that was the very beginning when Xfinity started racing at Mid Ohio, so that one was definitely on our radar and on our list, and we we went. Um, but Kentucky was the closest other racetrack for us to go to. So travel-wise, logistically, financially, Kentucky was, you know, the best next place for us to go. I think um, Michigan was the next, but it would have been, I think, an hour further or something like that. Um, Right. You know, but so, it's also you know, across the Big Peninsula, so. Right. Like, there's a, there's a humongous yeah. lake that separates Ohio from Michigan, right? Right. Yeah. So, you so, can't just, you like, know, jump over to the state of Michigan. Right. So, you know, so the, the loss of Kentucky was, you know, was, was big. And, again, like I said, it's, you know, it's another mile and a half, so. I, I get that, but do you know that land is unoccupied? There's nothing there. I mean, the track is still there, but they're not doing anything with it now. Right. It's kind of the resemblance of Texas World Speedway. Uh, we we know the fate of Texas World Speedway. Um, it was it became a parking lot, and then it was dismantled. Um, and that just seems to be the way of the world uh, these days. Some things are forgotten about. Maybe maybe 20 years from now, it'll be a historic re- reawakening for Kentucky Speedway. And who knows? Maybe there'll actually be some shit around there by then. Uh, because I think the biggest disappointment was that that was a potential investment by the state of Kentucky. And they, they thought that it would build this enterprise and everything around it will come. That's one of the few places right. that, that that is yet to happen. That has not come to fruition. You are absolutely correct. There is absolutely nothing around it. Um, there was a gas station. Mm, maybe five miles away from the track. 
<laughs> and now Wow. Well, Miss Lee, it is 8.30. I don't see any point in pushing this any further. We're only 15 minutes away from Taz's hot pick, and uh, Taz is not with us tonight, and we're not racing next week, so I guess there won't be any hot picks. Um, but uh, we want to thank our race fans uh, for joining us here tonight in this uh, shorter version of Race Chat Live. But nonetheless, we still covered the hot topic. Um, and... Uh, I mean, I'm pretty satisfied, Miss Lee. Do you have anything to add to tonight, sir? Not the only other. The only other thing I can say is, if you're looking for racing, ARCA racing at Berlin Saturday night. I think 8 p.m. ET. Not 100 percent sure. Check the time, but it's going to be on Fox Sports One as well as Flow Racing. I'm excited about the return to Nashville. I feel like that was uh, one of the, you know, Dale Jr. made it like, oh, we shouldn't go back there because it's really not that great of a facility and Nashville Fairgrounds is a lot better. Well, Dale Jr., you were wrong. We had a great time in Nashville last year. I'm looking forward to uh, being there, but not being there personally, but uh, the, the series returning to that facility again this year. I feel like last year put on a pretty good race. Looking forward to seeing what that might look like again this year. Um, so, you know, hey, uh, it's cool to resurrect these old racetracks and, and get the crowd back. And Nashville's a booming city right now. I just was there a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I'm definitely making my plans already to return. Uh, it's definitely a lot cleaner, a lot better smelling style type of New Orleans atmosphere. It's music everywhere. Uh, Broadway is amazing. Um, and they, they hold two really big tracks. Uh, that are pretty significant in NASCAR history. So uh, we'll go back to Nashville in two weeks. I think we'll be off next week. Uh, so uh, make sure y'all tune in to the replay. But uh, all in all, thank you for a great night, Miss Lee. Thank you for joining me and uh, having given me somebody to talk to. Uh, as for uh, Greg, he's still out. Dad, hopefully uh, he's doing okay. Um, but uh, as for the night, man, thank you very much. Uh, go check out our podcast and all the podcast drops, you know, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, Apple Podcasts, you name it. Or you can find us on 110 Nation uh, Facebook. <laughs> I tried to make it through it. Um, Facebook page, uh, and you'll see where the uh, pod page is, and then you'll follow the link. Uh, thank you. And uh, have a great week, the next couple weeks, and we'll see y'all on the return in two weeks. Miss Lee, have a great week. You too, Chris. Thanks to our sponsors, Carolina Sports and uh, Bears Bullish Market as well. All right. Thank you. See y'all in a couple of weeks. Bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. 
There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.